Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. And today I have Matt Bossig with me. He is our site pastor over at Pike Road. And so good morning, Matt. Welcome. Glad you're here. Good morning, brother. Great to be here. My lovely wife is here in the front row next to yours. Look at that. We did good, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We Ooh. are. Uh, we uh, outkicked our coverage. Okay, anyway, we are um, going to uh, talk about uh, today. We're continuing our series entitled Thrive. The idea of thriving is that God wants us to have abundant life. In fact, point one inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline entitled Thriving Through Surrender. And um, the idea here is this, is that Jesus wants us to thrive. It's point one on your outline. Jesus wants us to thrive. Would you say that out loud with me, please? Jesus wants us to thrive. How do I know that? He said so. Told us so. John 10.10, New King James Version. I have come that they may have life, they may have it more abundantly, not scarcely, abundantly. John 10.10 in the message, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And you would think, though, when you talk to many people who have been around church for a while, or maybe I've been trying to live out the Christian life, and it's like, oh, it's so hard, and life is just so rough, oh, I don't know, I'm not thriving, I'm just barely surviving. And... Matt, that's not what God wants. He wants us to thrive, right? Absolutely. And that's been kind of our theme verse for Andrew and I, even since we've been here at Centerpoint. I mean, just God has come to give us life and to have it more abundantly. And we found it through Jesus. We found it through the relationships with people here at Centerpoint. And it is the difference between seeing things in 2D and 3D. God's added just another dimension to our lives and made it so abundant, so fun, so joyful. And it's been awesome. Thanks for letting me be up here there, uh, today with you. Oh, yeah. Well, you're going to understand. Um, Matt is kind of like the Energizer Bunny, okay? He's got a lot of energy, and uh, that's why I wanted him here as part of this Thrive series. And you'll see that today. And if you don't leave here today encouraged, you got a problem. Okay, that's it. No. Uh, actually, I would like to pray that God will encourage people. Would you pray that God will encourage people today through what we say? Let's do it. Father, thank you for a chance to be here with my family who... I'm meeting for the first time. I love Center Point, God. I'm humbled to be on staff and humbled to be up here with Pastor John. And God, I pray that today, Father, we will just take this hour and any doubts we have, any fears, that we would submit those to you. And God, that we would leave this place differently today because we've met with you, Father. We've entrusted our lives to you in Jesus' name. Move us out of the way. Amen. Amen. Here's the note on point one. Jesus doesn't define thriving the same way our culture does. He does not. Here's how Jesus would define that rich, abundant life. He said to the crowd, there was always a big crowd following Jesus. They wanted to see his miracles and hear what he had to say. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Try to hang on to your life. You'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. I mean, pick up your cross and follow me. The Galileans he was speaking to, they had seen many people crucified. The Romans did this. And you had to carry the instrument of your execution up a hill, and they would nail you to that cross. And Jesus said, hey, if you want to follow me, that's a word picture where it looks like you're going to have to nail your sinful passions to the cross and surrender them to me. Every day, pick this up and say, hey, I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm living for Jesus, the one who died for me. Now, if you want to follow me, this is Jesus' words himself. This is what that means. Now, that is so shocking to us because we're saying, hey, if we want to thrive, I mean, surrendering my life, 
If I want to thrive, I'm going to hang on to my life. I'm going to get control of my life. But Jesus says, no, we thrive when we surrender. That's point two on your outline. We thrive when we surrender. Could we say that out loud together, please? We thrive when we surrender. Now, if you haven't been with us this series, this is the way Jesus talks. He talks about things completely the opposite of what we expect. We talked about giving last week. It's like we thrive when we give, not receive. Jesus said it's much more blessed to give than to receive. And we backed it up. We, we quoted him. We showed you. And he's not kidding. Also, the week before that, we said, Jesus said, hey, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. If you're going to follow me, you got to be the servant of all. And now he's, we're talking about Jesus and surrender. So there's five dimensions of this that we want to unpack, and that's this. We thrive when we surrender control. We thrive when we surrender control. This is 2A. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Now, this can be said here, and nourishment to your bones, I mean, that sounds like thriving, but Matt, you talked to somebody in India a couple of years ago on a mission trip where they understood when Jesus said surrender, control, that was terrifying to them, right? It was. It was a bucket list for me to meet someone who had never seen or never heard of the name Jesus. And we had hiked four or five hours to this remote village in India, and we get there, and it's a, it's a dirt hut, just like you would imagine. There's a man sitting in there, and the translator's with me. And I'm beginning to explain the gospels, and he had, or the gospel. And he had all these idols lined up on the shelf. And when I was telling him about my God, about Jesus, he had never heard the story, never even heard his name, right? And so we talked about the death and the resurrection. And, and he looked at me when I explained that he's the only way. The only way is through Jesus, not the others. You just need one. He said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, you are asking me to commit suicide. And it really took me back because he was, I was telling him that because surrender is one thing. It's a person, right, not a concept. It's a person. It's Jesus. And when I told him that, he looked at me like I was crazy because he's like, you're asking me to die, to commit suicide. And it really, for the first time, I had to really think about that on the, way, on the way home that day. Yeah, because for him to do that would mean that he would be ostracized by his family, yeah. by his community. He'd have to give up everything. Everything. And to him, it, it wasn't just, well, I'm going to give up a Sunday and come to church or maybe join a small group. This was, you are asking me to run for my life. Yeah, I mean, he had idols where you take God a la carte. I'll worship this God for good crops, this God for good health, this God for more money, Absolutely. this one for good luck. And if they don't work, I throw them out and get another idol. And Jesus said, well, no, no, no. You follow me. I'm God in the flesh, and I'm going to guide your life on the best pathway you can possibly imagine. Listen to Proverbs 3 again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Please underline that. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. That's Proverbs 3. Here's Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. They prosper in all they do. I mean, it's not dependent on the circumstances. 
It could be a drought, but that tree by the river is fine because its roots go down into a, a supply that never runs out. And that's the way it is. We base our faith on God and trust in his word. The opposite of that is what you see in Proverbs 14, 12. There's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. We go our own way, we can go right off a cliff. I mean, we can make the worst decision ever. And the Lord says, if you surrender your life to me, I'll guide you. I'll give you a better, more abundant life than you ever imagined. You ever been through anything in your life where you chose to do something and later it turned out to be a bad decision? Wow, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a softball if there ever was one. Right. We, John and I both grew up on a farm, right? Mm-hmm. Kansas, I'm from Indiana, but now we're Southerners, right, honey? Been 11, 12 years. But I remember a time as a farmer, I was a pig farmer, and I wanted to be a great pig farmer. It made me feel like a man, right? And I remember that my boss had loaded up the truck. 30 hogs were on this truck right? I don't know how many thousands of dollars were behind me. And we were going to take it to the market like we did every Tuesday. But this time I said, hey, let me drive the, let me drive the, uh, the truck down in the hog wagon to the market. And he said, you, you can't do that by yourself. I'm like, absolutely. I can do this. I don't know if I was trying to impress the farmer's daughter at the time. I can't remember, but I just wanted to impress him. I got this on my own, right? And so he let me. And so I drive down the road, and I was listening to the song, um, Should Have Been a Cowboy. I remember exactly. And the, the windows are down. I got hogs behind me. I'm a man, right? And I'm driving this truck, and I have no business doing this. So I pull into the market, and I see all these farmers lined up, and I realize I have to. I was thinking I'm just going to drop them off, right? No. I had to back the wagon into a little space about that big. And if you've ever backed up, even in your driveway, pulling a little wagon, right? It gets all jacked up and crazy. And so it was my turn. And, and you can imagine, 20 minutes later, I'm sideways, I'm this way, and farmers do not like to be late, right? It's time is money, and they're yelling at me, and I'm sweating from every orifice of my body. And finally, the guy who is running the hogs and comes and gets in the car for me, and I had to get out of the seat. And this guy, and they're like, you rookie, I can hear all the farmers, you know, get out of the way. So he finally backs the truck in for me. Surrender moment, Right. You do this. But how many times in my life has that happened spiritually? A bunch. Oh, yeah. When I've said, Lord, I can do this without you. And, and God, when things get jacked up, I finally say, all right, Lord, you can have it back. You can have control. Yeah, but if we want to thrive, we got to let him drop. Let him drive. There we go. Hey, that even rhymes. Uh, but the, <laughs> you were so whole, good. That was yeah, great. That was amazing. Uh, but the idea is that, but think if, we, think if we just let God have the wheel. This is what Jesus is recommending. You'll see this all the way through when he says, hey, give your life to me. If we seek our own way, it's going to end in disaster. If we trust in the Lord, he'll give us abundant life. But we struggle with this because we don't really trust him. I mean, think if we really trusted him. Then it wouldn't be a problem surrendering control. Point B, not only do we thrive when we surrender control, we thrive when we surrender our rights. I mean, if I'm going to follow Jesus and serve the way he served, I can't be looking out for my rights, my reputation. I can't expect everybody to be nice to me. That's not going to happen. Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, to his disciples and anybody else who would listen. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. I mean, why? Be very glad. Jesus says, here's why. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. Could you please underline that? A great reward. I mean, following Jesus requires us to have a different perspective, an eternal perspective. 
So if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. Give to those who ask. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And in that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Now think about this. If we only have this life, then I need to protect everything in this life. If it's all about my reputation here, you got to protect my reputation. I got to protect my reputation. And Jesus is going, no, I'm giving you eternal life. And so if you suffer a few things in this world, that's insignificant, completely insignificant compared to all the rewards in the next. I mean, that's the important perspective shift we have to make, right? That's right. This morning when I drove in, I, the last time I was here in this parking lot was about a month ago, and I was asked to speak at a retreat for cancer patients that were stage four. And stage four means there's not another stage. They were in a, in a group all to themselves from all around the country. They, they came here for the weekend to pray together, to meet new friends, and they could relate to one another because this is it. Either there's a miracle that's going to happen or death is next. And, and so they asked me to come in and share about a free throw world record that I had just or was getting ready to break. I can't remember if it was before or after. But here I am, you know, talk to them about uh, endurance and perseverance, and I'm sitting with them, and I am just so moved by their joy, by their compassion, by their ability to see life through a different lens than I had. And I showed up that morning, I'm sure, I'm a father of six, married to a beautiful bride, but we have six kids, and we've got a wedding in a couple weeks from our oldest, and you can imagine we have different things that pop up, but not in that moment. I'm sitting there, and all of my problems went away. I wanted what they had. I wanted that joy that they had because all they had to hold on to was Jesus. They weren't talking about their financial portfolio or vacation homes or the electric bill. They were talking about the goodness of God in the midst of anything that you're going through. And there is a joy there that I can't even put into words. You talk about dropping your rights. They had absolutely said, God, based on my condition, I am all yours. And everything that I believe in, 100%, I've pushed in all my chips to believe that you say, or that you are who you say that you are. Surrender is a person, and it's to Jesus. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's so amazing when you get around people who are at the end of life, and they know they don't have long in this world anymore. They're not worried about their rights. I'm just grateful for another time to meet with you. Can I tell you of the love of Jesus? And it happened to you on that occasion. It's happened to me on other occasions too where I go in to encourage someone and I came away encouraged. Absolutely. So it's not about our rights. Jesus didn't come to protect his rights. He surrendered all his rights to die on the cross to save us from our sins. If that makes you happy this morning, would you say amen? Amen. He says, if you want to follow me, understand that's what abundant life is all about. Oh, this is a message our culture needs to hear. Point C, if you flip your outline over, we also thrive when we surrender our money and our possessions. There was once a religious leader, Luke records this in Luke 18, there was once a religious leader who came to Jesus and asked this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him, only God is truly good. In other words, if you're going to ask me about eternal life, do you know who I am? I mean, Jesus is God in the flesh. You're going to get a straight answer. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Jesus is going through the Ten Commandments here. And the man goes, oh, no, I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. 
And when Jesus heard his answer, he said, well, there's one more thing that you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? And he replied, what's impossible for people is possible with God. Peter said, we've left, every, we've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who's given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and have eternal life in the world to come. Those ladies that you were talking to, they understood this. And they're not looking for possessions either anymore. They can't take it with them anyway. And what's so amazing about that is we said, well, yeah, but they were about to die. Aren't we all? I mean, how do I know how long I have to live? How do you? I mean, do you know how many days you have yet to live? Wow, what if we did? Yeah. It sure changed the way I would approach lunch today. Yeah, but I mean, those stage four women did. Yeah, I don't know what you meant by that, but I'm moving on. Okay, anyway. Uh, yeah, I think we're having lunch. Yeah, I'd I still go to say, lunch so, with you, yeah. though. I would. I think I'd like you enough. We would do that. Okay. I love you. Uh, but, but here's the whole idea is that what if we actually said, hey, Lord, I want to put my life in your hands. And what if I want to use my possessions how you want me to use them? God's not going to call all of us to give away everything we have like he did this, this rich ruler. But at the same time, he's going to call us to give up anything that stands between us and him. And that brings us even to the next point, point D, we thrive and we surrender our relationships. Listen to Jesus again. I mean, this stuff is amazing when you start talking about thriving, according to Jesus. A a large crowd was following Jesus again. He turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, let's make this clear again, you must hate everyone else by comparison, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. People email me on this passage all the time. When they're reading through the Bible for the first time, they get to this and go, what in the world? Why would Jesus be talking about this? Why do I have to hate my family and compare to loving him? Why why would I want to hate anyone in comparison to him? And I go, well, he's trying to help us understand that to put him first means to put him completely first and not let any other relationships interfere. Give me an example. Okay. All of us can imagine, and many of us know people like this, where they are in love with the Lord, they read their Bible every day, they're active in church, and then they meet someone who's not a believer, and they fall in love with them. And before long, they're not attending worship much. They're not reading their Bible. All sorts of sinful habits, even filthy speech, and things start coming out of their mouth, things that were never a part of their life before. And then it's not long at all before they are far away from the Lord. I wish I could tell you, I don't know of anyone like that. I could tell you of dozens and dozens of people in my experience in ministry where this has happened. And the choice was, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to let go of this relationship. And they would not do it. Another example would be surrendering children. How would I ever have to surrender my children? Well, many times we forget that God not only has a call on my life, he also has a call on the life of my kids. I've had people come to my office. I've had people email me, call me and say, okay, look, I need you to talk to my son or my daughter. They have a call to ministry. And, you know, no offense, but I don't want him to be just a minister. (laughs) 
No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't, who would want him to turn out like me? Okay, anyway, but, but people actually tell me this. And they go, look, they've got a good career. They had a great education. They got all these opportunities. Why would they waste it going into ministry? I go, it's not a waste if God has called them to this. I mean, what if God has a call for my children that he didn't run past me? Can I surrender them? Do I love him more than I love my plans for them? And now you understand where Jesus is coming from. I mean, Matt, this has happened to you as well. It has. I got an email not too long ago from a father, actually a phone call, and his daughter had went away on a mission trip, and she changed her major when she got back. And it was to pursue ministry full-time and to, to give her life to children. And he said, this can't be happening. And I said, man, unfortunately, you're just renting your daughter. He is, she is his. And I had to, we had to pray together that it, God would change his heart because he thought he knew what was best, and God clearly had... She met Jesus is what happened. She didn't meet, she knew religion her whole life and she met the person of Jesus. And so her moment of surrender was beautiful and he captured her heart. And now the things that used to matter to her didn't any longer. And God had called her in this area and her father was having a hard time with that. It's tough. Yeah, but I mean, you have a daughter you're giving away in marriage. That's hard to surrender to, right? 13 days, brother. Yes, absolutely. And I want to walk her down the aisle and say, God, she's yours. And... That is tough. Yeah, and so when we, you and I are coming, going through stations in life, can we surrender our children to God? Can we surrender our spouses to God? Can we surrender, surrender our own plans for our own life to God? And Jesus said, if you trust me, you'll have a better life than you could ever imagine. When I fill you with my Holy Spirit, you're going to have more power than you ever dreamed of. But you've got to give it to me. And that brings us to the next point. We surrender... And thrive when we, we thrive when we surrender our time. Our time. David, a man after God's own heart, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you'll live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord. And please underline that. I'm coming back to that. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he'll help you. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Put your hope in the Lord and travel steadily along his path. And if you next to where I, we wrote in, we surrender our time, if you'd also put timing. What if we surrendered our time and our timing? We go, oh, Lord, I want your direction in my life. By the way, I have it here by 8 a.m. on Monday. See ya. Bye. And that's the way we talk to them. And we ask God to work on our time frame when he's putting together plans that if he told us, we wouldn't even believe it. You know, it's so interesting when Peter was talking in that other reference from Luke about how, Lord, we've given up all this stuff. What's going to be our reward? Well, Jesus had told them what they would sacrifice. He said, you'll have a great reward in heaven. But so many times, you know, and there was a Matthew Henry and his commentary on this was on this passage was so amazing because he said, you know, there are many times when Jesus asks us to, to let go of things or surrender things. And we're not we don't even realize the difference between what Jesus says and what the devil says. The devil tempts us to all kinds of sin and shortcuts and wrong things. And he, we're always clear about what the pleasure will be, but he never reveals the cost. Because if we ever counted the cost, we would never do that. Jesus, on the other hand, I mean, he comes and says, hey, look, give up everything. But when you get this, you will get a million times more. Just trust me. Now, 
um, there is a woman who's involved at Pike Road named Dana Wiswall, and I'd like for you to tell a bit about her because she is someone who is she has had to surrender her control, her rights. She's had to surrender her money, her family, and relationships. She's had to surrender her house. I mean, all these things are true, right? Yes, and she would say that her life's never been more blessed. Dana, um, and let me tell you this morning, if, you're, if you feel like your spiritual life is in neutral today, and you feel like you've just been coming and to church, maybe out of duty, and, and you're just kind of in neutral, maybe this story is for you. I met Dana a few years ago when we first started, um, when, we, when we came on staff at Centerpoint, and I met Dana, and I said, Dana, would you open up your home to a few of our youth? We didn't have a place to meet. And she said, oh, you know, that, that would take, you know, open up my space, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I just like to come to church, and that's it, you know, and, and I just, I just really think that you'll enjoy it, and so she did, she, she trusted us, and she opened up her home, and, and sure enough, some kids were, were coming to her house to eat, and several showed up, and not long after that, I could sense a difference in Dana, she really enjoyed just opening up her home, and I said, Dana, would you mind if you went to the beach with us, Panama City Beach, and would you mind just cooking for the youth? Who wouldn't want to go to Panama City Beach, right? This is how I sold it to her. And then she said, where are we staying? I said, oh, it's awesome, Christian. It's a Laguna Beach Christian Retreat Center. You're going to sleep on a cot <laughs> in a cement room. I mean, come on. This is going to be great. And you're going to cook spaghetti and tacos. And, and so she did it. And she thought, she said, Matt, I thought I would never go and spend a week on a cot with 100 youth or 50 youth and adults, and I could see her continuing to grow. Not long after that, she also said, I'll never go on a mission trip. I will never go overseas. Sure enough, as we went to Ensenada, Mexico, I, I invited her and her family. By the way, they've become some of our best friends. We vacation together. We recreate together, our families. Her husband and I are best friends. And, and so... Um, so we, we go on a mission trip, but also, let me tell you this. They gave us their business. They own an AC shop called Chad's AC and, and, a, and a bike shop. And she, she came to me and said, Matt, we want to give you the business for um, open that up on Wednesday nights for what we call the upper room. And it started out as a few chairs, and, and, and then within weeks we had this worship service, and they still have it um, going on to this day on Wednesday nights. And she went on a mission trip. And, there's, and here's what happened. Here's what I want you to, to hear this morning. The most unbelievable thing is as Dana began to, to, to progress of just serving and giving her life to the Lord, there was a woman that started to work for her name, named Michelle. And, I, and Michelle's given me permission to share this story. And while she was working with her, Michelle was raped. And Michelle got pregnant from the rape. But she had Dana. Dana was there, and Dana walked her through nine months with this baby. And instead of having an abortion, Michelle had this baby. And we got this family, and we placed into an adoption. And Dana saw this baby two weeks ago. Family lives out of state now, and Dana got a chance to see the baby. And now Dana ministers to Michelle. That's her person that Dana speaks life into. Michelle now goes to Centerpoint, Pike Road. She's giving her life to Jesus. Michelle's mom died a few weeks ago. And guess who was there to watch her mom take her last breath with Michelle? Dana. Dana's life is so full of joy, and she tells me, Matt, I can't believe all the blessings I would have missed, all the people that are in my life who I hold so dear now if you'd never asked me to open my home and have people over to have spaghetti. It's awesome. If you're in neutral today, I, spiritually, as, anyway, I just want you to pray. God can do this for you. He can be, he's got a plan for each one of you to experience life 
and experience it in a way you've never even dreamed possible. That's the kind of God we serve. Sorry, brother. No, go on. I was just going, hey, I like this. I forgot where I was at. No, I yes. love it. I feel like a uh, debate. We keep standing up. Yeah, there down. we go. Uh, <laughs> Psalm 37, back to what we talked about before, take delight in the Lord. I mean, you know what it means to take delight? To delight in something means to experience great pleasure and joy. To delight in the Lord means that I just want to be in his presence. I just want his best for me. Here's a way you and I can tell if we're going the way Matt's been talking about, the way Dana is living her life, or whether I'm going my own way. If I'm going my own way, you can write these two words down. I am anxious and angry because life isn't turning out the way I thought. It's too hard. How come everybody else gets all this stuff? I'm anxious and angry. If I'm trusting the Lord with my future, I have joy and peace. Anxious, angry, joy, peace. And what happens is Jesus says, if you surrender your life to me, I'm going to work things out. I got to tell you, I drift over, and this is something we have to do over and over again. We have to surrender multiple times a day, right? Yeah, I start my day over all the time. <laughs> yeah. By the second cup of coffee, God, I'm already in control again. I'm going to start this over and put you back in the driver's seat, right? Yeah, and so that's why I want to hit three notes on surrender, three important notes. It's the last section on your outline. First of all, if you and I are going to do this, then we need to count the cost. I mean, Jesus was flat out clear on this. Like I said, I mean, devil will hide it. Jesus is up front, wants you to know the sticker price right up front. You give me your life now, I'm going to give you abundant life. You give me a few years, I'll give you eternal life. I'll give you so much joy, it'll overflow. But point A, we must count the cost. Don't begin until you count the cost, for who would begin construction on a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They'd say, oh, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without sit first sitting down with his counselors and discussing whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? If he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. And Jesus said, I'm going to be up front with you, but it's worth it. And the reason why we struggle with giving up is we don't really trust him. I mean, who's going to surrender anything if I don't believe that Jesus is worth it? We also have to realize that surrendering is a lifelong process. And Matt, I want you to comment after this. Philippians 3, Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved all these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. This is a process. It's a daily choice. And Matt, if you'd have tried to tell Dana all this at the beginning, she wouldn't have believed it, right? No, could you imagine? Hey, my name's Matt, Dana. In about three months, you're going to walk a girl through rape and abortion, and you're going to sleep on a cot, and you're going to go to Mexico and paint. She would have went, ah! <laughs> you're, you know, but God knew that. He can see the whole parade, right? We see one float at a time, and God sees everything. And it is a process. Can I talk about small groups for a second? Because sure. that's where it started with Dana and Chad, really. We, we formed a small group right away. And if you're not in a small group either, that's a great place to start. And I say that because now that small group are my best friends. That's who we do life with. 
If something goes wrong tonight, that's who we're calling. And I know you hear about small groups a lot, and I'm telling you, that is the place to get plugged in, to find some people to do life with. It has changed our life. Like I said earlier, it's like putting 3D glasses on. It has went from just having life to having life abundant because in that small group, Jesus lives in you, he lives in me, and the next person, you got the Spirit of God living in six different people, and that's why God said, greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. It's amazing what happens when it's a, in 2 Timothy, Paul says it's a gift to have fellowship with other believers. It's a gift that the world doesn't understand. The culture, my friends who aren't believers are like, why are you guys so happy? And why are you always together? And why are you so joyful? And it seems weird to them, our friends from the past before we put Jesus in the center. But it's something that's uncontrollable joy. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sitting back down again. Yeah, good job. No, keep going. Look, I want you to understand this. This is the joy that I, I want to overflow in my life, in your life, that, so, that you're seeing in Matt right now. And that brings us to the last point. God will help us. God will help us. Can we say that out loud? God will help us. God is working in you. He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God's not going to call us to do something we can't do. Jesus said, look, if you surrender to me, I'll give you abundant life, more life than you've ever imagined. Bring your sorrows to me. Bring your sin to me. Bring every part of your life to me. I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. The question is, will we trust him? Because if we trust him and we really believe in who he says he is, well, then surrendering those things become relatively easy. So we're going to have a word of prayer here this morning. We're going to ask God to help us surrender. Because that's how we're going to thrive. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here with Matt this morning. I thank you for the work that you've done in his life, in Andrea's life. I thank you for the work you've done in Dana's life. And for the joy that's spilling out through her life and the lives of others. And God, I just want that for each and every person here today in the sound of my voice. If while we were speaking, God reminded you of something in your life that you've been hanging on to, an expectation, a demand, a relationship, a possession, something that's gotten in the way, we say, God, if you give me the strength, I'll let it go. God, if you help me, I'll surrender it. Father, I pray that we would hold nothing in our hands so tightly that we can't wrap our arms around you. I pray that we would allow nothing in our lives to interfere with the great love you want to bestow upon us. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he held nothing back and gave everything so that we can have life eternal and life abundant right now. I pray that you would open our eyes so we could see how great and how wide and how deep his great love for us is. We thank you for the day. We thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you that you have great things in store for us this week. Just help us surrender so we'll make the most of every opportunity when it comes. In the strong name of Christ, we pray together. Amen.